0: Wonderful. Well, I've had um, an interesting week this week as a pastor, as, as um, often they are. they no two weeks are the same. But I've had a number of people talk about end times, which was an exciting topic to talk about, and is is what's happening in Ukraine and Russia and all of that. Is that all part of it? And uh, rather than answering now, I, I might take something a week or two's time to sort of unpack that a little bit. What we Believe Jesus taught us about some of this stuff. Um, But actually, this morning we're going to be continuing our journey. This is the second part or the concluding part um, when we're talking about forgiveness. So, if you weren't here last week or like clueless as to what we've been journeying through, um, I actually, we did record it last week, we're recording it this week. Um, So, I can always send that to you. And I know a lot of people have been finding it a useful thing to platform to talk about, share. Um, and work through some stuff. So are you ready and with me this morning? Yeah. Wonderful. Isn't it so cool you're not having to wear a mask? I'm really enjoying that. I can see your faces, which um, makes you feel like... I was feeling like I was talking to robots uh, previously, everyone wearing a mask. You're also looking around thinking no one's human anymore. So it is nice to see that you're still alive and well. Um, okay, so, so we have been saying we've been living through a time where people are increasingly taking offence Unforgiveness is a very real issue, Um, and if we can go on to the next slide. So, this is what we covered last week as a quick summary. We said, what is forgiveness? We unpacked that a little bit, and why do we find it so hard to forgive? And we talked about how unforgiveness is like drinking a poison, hoping that the other person will die of it, which makes us realize how silly it is to withhold forgiveness But realistically, I would say almost every single person on the planet does find it difficult. And I was confessing a little bit in my own heart with things to realize um, I struggle with unforgiveness. And I have, um, there have been people in my life, um, even since becoming a pastor, I have found it it's one of the like top issues in my own heart to work out how do I know I've forgiven? And that's what we talked about. How do we know what are the signs that you've forgiven? So we went through uh, six of those signs. How do you know it? And, you know, the first one is, is like, do you keep a score of it in your heart? Could you, re- could you record it very quickly and easily? And that's a sign uh, of unforgiveness when it's like right there in the forefront of our thinking. And then as we sort of talked about a load of issues we landed on um, in James chapter 5, there is this direct link between confessing of sins Forgiveness and healing. Those are all linked. And um, I've often mentioned how Greek thinking, which is most of us have grown up with a very Greek way of seeing salvation, the Bible, God, education, our work, how we separate everything into corners and pigeonholes and, and um, we, we struggle to see the link or how everything is actually, actually intertwined. How Hebrew thinking is everything is joined together. You know, if you are doing well as a person, that means it that, that means that all of you is doing well. Or uh, and when we say the word Shalom, which means peace on you, it doesn't mean peace simply on your brain or simply in your thinking. It means every area of your life being aligned and at rest. So, let's go on to the next slide, please. And you know, I so I had a, a number of questions people emailed me or just rang up, uh, picked up the phone and called me and asked me about this, some of this stuff. Um, so I will do my best to cover some of this. There is no way uh, I can cover all of it. There's too much. There's too much to unpack, and people um, have, s- you know, so many sort of um, issues come up, risen, people shared with me this week that are, they're, they're so sort of nuanced or complicated that there is no way I could cover it in a message very well at all. We'll come back to that nearer to the end the people are asking things like, how can you trust someone even if you've forgiven? Are the two linked? How do you deal with deep-rooted unforgiveness? How do you deal with ongoing hurt and abuse? So we'll cover a, a little bit of that as we go through. So I'm going to share this scripture um, at this junction because I think this is helpful for us. 2 Corinthians 2 says, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake in order that Satan might not outwit us for we are not unaware of his schemes Paul is talking almost certainly we think about a problem that had happened in the church that he addresses in his previous letter to the Corinthians and he's talked about probably sexual immorality in the church that he's trying to address and that's been causing a big problem he it then appears like this situation has been resolved to some extent, but there's the question of forgiveness and how do we allow this person back in and all that kind of stuff. So he's talking about that and saying, listen, if there's anything to forgive, I've forgiven it, and I've forgiven, how have I done that? In the sight of Christ, for your sake. And then this key passage, this is a, this is a really interesting um, note he puts there. In order that Satan might not outwit us. How might Satan outwit us is the question that you should arise. Through unforgiveness. One of the most destructive ways Satan brings division in relationships is with unforgiveness. I cannot stress that enough. Unforgiveness is one of his most powerful, it's one of the most deceptive tools that Satan uses. And he uses it because he knows it's a cunning, divisive, destructive way to split apart relationships. Are we tracking so far? Um, It often comes to mind, John uh, John 10. Jesus talks about how the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and often he uses people to do that. And I would say, when you look at Ukraine, what do you see? Someone out to kill, steal, and destroy. It's like, as at its most blatant form, it becomes war, right? But that's not the only form. And unforgiveness, and this is why these things are connected. Because we can see it in its most blatant form and decry it, but actually all human beings struggle with unforgiveness and it's destructive and it seeks to destroy something let's make sure the enemy does not outwit us and how he uses unforgiveness and make sure you know this is the this is the bottom line really is to say make sure there is no no unforgiveness in your heart um, next slide please Colossians 3:13. Paul again says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, Paul does this a lot with how he wants us to help us see how to live this out. And he says, here is your marker, here is your reference point, and it's always Christ. Look how Jesus does it. That's your model. Now you do the same. It is so critical to grasp how the gospel was lived and breathed and acted as in Jesus. He doesn't simply tell you how to live your life, he demonstrated it and modeled it as well as taught us. You might say, "Well, how did Jesus forgive us?" I mean, he's on the cross. On the cross, he has been nailed most people on the planet would be, would be feeling a victim. They'd seen the injustice. They'd be blaming the people that it's led to all this. His friends have deserted him. And what does he say as he's on the cross? Father, forgive them. Don't hold this thing against them. You could not get a more clear idea of what Paul is thinking of when he writes, as the Lord forgave you, you must also forgive those that hurt you. And um, I think, you know, we've talked about how impossible, you know, for, for some, uh, we made a light situation last week of, you know, someone ignores you, well, you think they ignored you, you take an offense a couple of years down the road You bring it up with the person, they have no clue what you're saying. And one of the advice that I hope you took away from that is, if someone has hurt you, um, often they will not know it, and so you must forgive them and not tell them. Because once you tell them, they become paranoid. And then they start soul-searching and thinking, what's going on? What what have I missed? And they think, well, if they said that, who else is holding something against me? And uh, you'll notice Paul is even using this to say... I forgive them in Christ for your sake. And we are left thinking, I don't know what he's forgiven, because he's not made it clear. It's like he's, he's like, listen, I've forgiven the situation. It's dealt with. Um, next slide, please. So um, you, two, you it is important to talk about what forgiveness doesn't mean, because I think people get very confused they, they feel like um, a lot of things are put into the melting pot of when we talk about forgiveness. Um, and I'm going to briefly talk about some of the things I understand it doesn't mean. So when you forgive someone, it doesn't mean you will n- trust them again. It doesn't mean immediately, oh, well, now I've forgiven you. I need to trust you. And I've had people say that to me. Well, you know, I've done this terrible thing. Uh, they said they forgive me, but they won't trust me. And that's what forgiveness is, right? And I'm like, no, that, that let's... Let's separate those two concepts. Trust is not what forgiveness is all about. Forgiveness is letting the matter drop, but that doesn't mean we simply trust people again. Trust does have to be earned to some degree. It also doesn't mean you don't... It's a double negative. It doesn't mean you don't seek justice. Now, that may mean... um, I mean you can always think of the worst examples can't you but um, someone murders a loved one you can forgive them of that but that doesn't mean you don't take that to the authorities get the police involved and say send them to jail forgiveness isn't about saying justice won't be done it just means I am not holding that offense against you it doesn't mean you have to put yourself in harm's way repeatedly Um, some of the examples people give when it comes to this situation are they are in a toxic situation and they're saying, should I forgive? Absolutely. How many times? 70 times 7, Jesus said, or or essentially infinitely. But that doesn't mean you have to continue to put yourself in harm's way where there is offense and um, abuse going on. If you are able to remove yourself, do so. I think would be the best advice I can give you. Now, because the nuance of so many situations that I'm sure pretty much everyone in the church here is in, I would say um, there, isn't, there is a general rule I can give, but every situation will be different. And I think the best way to deal with some of those ones, especially if you're still left with the question, I'm not sure what to do, I would say if you are in a small group, go, go share it with your home group leader, or if you feel you can, if it's right to, share it with your home group. Say, what do you think I should do here? Maybe you have a trusted friend that you say, listen, I trust your counsel. What do you think I should do here? You might need to bring other people into your situation to process what the next thing is, the right thing to be doing. And um, if this brings really me on to my next point, which is the Bible covers so many subjects. Forgiveness is only one of them. We could talk about grace, peace, the atonement, justification, sanctification, what it means the blood of Christ, what it means to be saved. We could talk about so many of these subjects, and we won't have even begun to deal with them. They are so big. And actually, the Bible doesn't tell us a lot of the stuff that I'm telling you this morning. It doesn't cover it. Probably, well, absolutely for very good reason. A lot of this, we have to work out ourselves. If the Bible doesn't say it, there is very good reason why it doesn't share it. And it leaves us recognizing we need to, to some degree, tie up the loose ends and work out, well, what does this mean for me? We know we should forgive. But then how we do that, to some degree, is left for us to work out. Um, so a number of emails were sent to me this week, and I've stapled a lot of the thoughts together. I hope you don't mind me doing it this way, so I won't give credit to any particular person, because I had quite a few on this, but I wanted to share some of the thoughts and wisdom various people shared with me this week. So I hope this is helpful for someone. For deep wounds that have caused, been caused by an authority figure, it may be helpful to reflect on the offences, either in a journal or a letter, that you never send, making it clear what the offense was, how they suffered or felt at the time, and how it has made them feel since. The good that they potentially missed out on because of roles and responsibilities that weren't fulfilled. So there's some advice. You've got a deep hurt, a deep offense has been taken, maybe a good idea to be journal it, write it down in a letter, don't send the letter to the person, but writing it down, praying it over, maybe burning it up at the end or something. Someone else said, you know, it really might be helpful to talk to a trained counsellor. You know, depending on what the issues are, and for you there may be loads, there may be just one that you're sort of focusing on, and, and like, I prayed about this, I've not seem to be getting any further, and I've forgiven them, but it, you know, I don't feel the thing's being dealt with. It may be a good idea to go to a trained counsellor. I have been to trained counsellors, plural. And sometimes they've been incredibly helpful to think it through, work out. Someone has had training in various issues like this to say here's the step I would recommend you that you do. There are some exceptional books. One is Total Forgiveness by R.T. Kendall on this subject. The one I found most helpful was Disappointed With God by Philip Yancey. Brilliant books of people that have dealt with almost incomprehensibly difficult issues, brought it to God and how they dealt with them. Someone else said, you know, I just see it as part of my daily routine with God, praying through the Lord's Prayer every day, stopping or pit-stopping at forgiveness, talking about it with the Lord and and approaching it every day with the people who come to my mind, saying it out of my mouth they felt was very important. It's not a one-time event for most things. It's a continual process until we realize we're no longer holding on to it. And someone else said, we don't have perfect control over our memories. Absolutely, we don't. But we can learn to let go and bless those that have offended us. I like that one. Um, And here's what someone else said at um, the last point, really, which is, they found going on a treat was really useful. And, you know, it's interesting when you read the Gospels, Jesus often takes himself away on his own. Sometimes he goes away with his disciples on their own. They're surrounded by crowds and it almost becomes overwhelming, so they take themselves out of the picture. This is something I regularly do take myself on my own retreat. Get away from the noise and bustle and phones and the internet and just like spend time with the Lord. And and Lord, say, you know, say, What's going on in my heart, Lord? Speak to me. I've got just two more passages I'd like to share with you. Now, Someone else brought this up this week, and I realized, oh, I haven't covered that aspect of forgiveness. So um, I wanted to talk about this very briefly. What about, you see, often we've taken the angle of forgiveness that we are the one offended. We're the one hurt. We're the one who's got problems with someone else. And that's where a lot of people kind of fall into that category of, you know, what about these deep. But actually, what about this? What about if you are the person that's caused the offense? And you know it. You've hurt people. And you often get overcome with shame and guilt, how you've treated other people. How does that work? Because it's, you know, on one angle, it's very easy to talk about, well, you know, how do I deal with these people that affected me? As if, like, we're always the victim in that story. But actually, some people are, are, are able to say, I'm the one who's caused the problems here. How do I deal with that? So I wanted to look at this. So in Hebrews 9 it says, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. If you've never read the Bible before, and then you start reading it, and you have no concept of the God of the Bible or of Jesus or sacrifices and the temple and Jesus on the cross, any of that, one of the things that happens, and I've met many people in the situation, especially from other countries, they read the Bible, and do you know what they say? You guys are very sin-conscious. They had almost no idea there were all of these things that were wrong. It doesn't particularly occur to people that even how you think might be a problem. And when you read the Bible, it's like every single possible thing that is imaginable on the planet, it could be right or wrong. And especially when you read the Old Testament, it you know, if you were to read the Old Testament through from, from Genesis, it's an incredible story of how the earth was created and all the problems of, of mankind and you know, it moves from one story to another. You get into Exodus and it's, it starts off with Egypt and taking the, the uh, Israelites to become slaves in Egypt out and these incredible miracles. But then as Exodus goes on, it becomes all about laws and sin and dealing with sin and blood. And then you read Leviticus and it's really all about Laws and sin and blood and sacrifices and then um, into numbers, well, the numbers of the people that were in Israel, but also, again, sin, offerings, blood. to Deuteronomy, which is a summary, really, of previous books, but again, sin, offerings, blood. If you keep going through the Bible, it's like the history of the kings, and then it goes into what they did wrong. There's a few that did some things right, and you're thinking, you know, if you've never read this book before, you're like... Why is the obsession with sin? If you've grown up as a Christian, this you won't be thinking like that because this is how we've been. This is how we've been encouraged to think, and the message from the Old Testament, by and large, is people just mess up. I don't know how to sum it up better. We mess up. We all know it, and it's like you know. Um, I, I heard a quote from Barack Obama this week. He was being quoted as, as to say. I'm going to get this wrong, but something like the arch of progress always moves forward. I don't know how many of you have heard that one. In other words, things will always get better. The arch of progress is always forward. But I think we can see that I don't think that's true at all. I think human beings are caught in a trap of sin. And the problem with wars is we keep getting them. I mean, even since World War II... By the mid-90s, we'd already had 40 international conflicts. Something like 120 million people were killed in, uh, in the 20th century through wars. And we're there thinking, well, the 21st century is going to be so much better. We're so much more civilized. We are so much, we've moved so much with progress, and here we are in another war. And we've already had wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and Syria and many parts in Africa let alone other places in the world. Because of this essential problem of the human heart and of sin. And you see already, very early on in the Scriptures, it talks about actually to deal with sin, it requires blood. So there's this direct connection between sin and payment for the sin. And on to the last slide, please. This is, this is where I, I, want, I, I want to share this point. When you read the Bible, I think one of the key things that tends to happen is you get convicted. You realize what you're doing isn't what God desires. I suddenly get that every single time I read the Bible. I'm like, wow, Lord, thank you for revealing what is actually true and the lie that I I tend to tell myself with things. Here is the promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, on one level, we tend to think of confessing sin and forgiveness as a technical thing. That is the, it's an idea we think of. Oh, I've confessed the sin, and now I'm forgiven. I would encourage you, like we actually sang in our last song, it is not simply an idea. Forgiveness is not simply, oh, Dave said, or the Bible said, or someone said, I'm now forgiven, that, that must be true. I believe it's an actual weight that gets lifted off of us. If you've ever experienced being forgiven by God, that I would say is how it feels. A likeness. It feels like something has been removed. When you encounter God, and you know for, it is interesting when you read the scriptures and you read Psalms. David often talks about how God seems far away. Sometimes he seems very near. And it is experiential. It's what you experience. It's like we know God is here, but I don't sense it. But there are times we sense it. We know it. We're like, I felt God in this place this morning. And the reason I draw on all of that is to say when we talk about forgiveness, it isn't simply something we, a mental idea we hold in our head. It is real. When you know you've been forgiven, and, and maybe this is where we'll land with this. So for those dealing with their own problem of, I have hurt people, I feel ashamed. I would lead you to the cross and say, conviction is a good feeling. I've done something wrong. When you give it over to the Lord, you say, your cross, where you dealt with it, is how I have dealt with my sin. I'm so united with Christ on the cross, he dealt with my sin, my shame, my toxicity, my broken relationships, my pain, is all dealt with at the cross. I didn't earn it, I don't deserve it, but he generously and willingly gave it for me. And so when we look at uh, the offenses that we've given other people, we say, Lord, I am sorry for how I've hurt other people it might be right to go to that person and say, please forgive me. I think that's probably the only time you should say, I forgive you, directly to a person, is when they say, please forgive me, I think. But otherwise, it's to say, if you're dealing with all of those um, loaded feelings, it's to say, you bring it to the cross of Christ, and you put your faith, that he's removed it, he's taken it away, because there is no other way of dealing with it. We can't get a lamb or a pigeon or a calf and kill it in the church and say, therefore, your, your sin has been dealt with. We don't need to do that anymore. We say we, Jesus has paid for it. We just need to apply it or appropriate it. Jesus has done it. I trust in what he's done. It has been dealt with. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you model for us forgiveness, how you forgave those that hurt you. And when we come to the cross and we recognize our own sin and shame and guilt, we say, thank you, Father, that you call us into your family and give us the right to be children of God. You remove darkness from us and bring us into your light. You bring us out of lies and into truth. And I thank you, Father, that as we talk about these incredibly weighty issues this morning, I just pray that there be some tools for people to go away and think there's unforgiveness in my heart. I hold this against someone else. And I, know no, I now know the next steps. Father, may we, be, may we grasp the gravity of how much you have forgiven us of. The lists that you could have written against us and you say, I no longer hold that against you. I now call you righteous. I now call you my son and my daughter. And that enables us to forgive those that have hurt us. When we consciously grasp how we are now free, we can now forgive those that have really hurt us. Lord, I pray that we would increasingly become a church that forgives and doesn't hold on to unforgiveness. And Lord, whatever I've missed out and people feel like there's still a connection they need to make, I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd put someone around them or put it into their mind uh, what that thing is. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Listen, I hope that is helpful. um, and. That will be available if you want to listen to that one and the previous one. Um, And in your home groups, feel free to talk about that stuff. And if you've got more questions, go see Mike about them. (laughs) And uh, otherwise, have a wonderful day and be blessed.